Hello and welcome to Talking About Alliance, the one and only Alliance uh, recap podcast. I'm Ari, joined as always by Hirsch for a special recap episode. Hello, Hirsch. Hello, Ari. How are we doing today? Doing good. Um, we just have been a couple weeks, but have a little wrap up and sort of an overview of the season should be a fun time for the two of us. Yes, sir. So uh, let's talk about um, the final tribal council that was the end of the season, something that we spent some time previewing and we got to see. And I think what stuck out to me the most was that was the first time we were seeing the jury members in a while. And some of it was, I think, maybe what we expected. Some not exactly all of the reactions the same way. Yeah, I found it... um... For those of us who uh, had not had a, you know, mega crab status and were unable to uh, see what they'd been talking about in Ponderosa, it was it was kind of cu- I was very curious to see if their impressions were matching up to the viewers' lounge. You know, who gets to see everything, but then you know, because you don't know what people are going into uh, Ponderosa saying, you don't know if they're burying somebody, you don't know if they're trying to pimp somebody. Um, but and uh, but as it turned out, you know, Ponderosa was uh, basically uh, you know about fifty percent ace complaining, <laughs> and uh, and the rest was um, the rest was uh, people kind of talking about shitters and Barker, you know, and, and and the rest of the finalists. But uh, so yeah, you never know what you're going to get, uh, especially when you don't know what's going on in Ponderosa. Yeah, I think what stood out to me. Uh... I would say there's a difference between a bitter jury and what we might call a salty jury. Um, a bitter jury or jury members and specifically, you know, upset about the way they left the game and angry towards the people who voted them out. Um, whereas you might call it a salty jury where it's more like trying to find excuses for why you were actually the ones that were better. And I think this, I think Mojo Desert uh, my jury kind of had aspects of that, and I think that's more of what we saw here. Partly, I think, because there wasn't really anyone on the jury that the final three had organized against. Um, I think a little bit from Glorf and Sir R. Table from all the way back. And those were the, some of the ones that had some of that bitterness to it, but it was more just trying to find excuses, almost to put down the final three to say, we deserve to be there. Yeah, there was a there was a whole lot of. I, you mentioned table and 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 I think his reaction was was honestly one of the more shocking ones because, he pretty much uh, was quiet the entire uh, FTC, um, until he asked his question and, and and his question was pretty loaded, um and and he'd obviously been sitting on it a while and 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 his question more than anyone, had a an air or a note of just genuine anger, um. Whereas like Glorf, it seemed like was trying to kind of poke buttons or push buttons and then poke at people. Um, and yeah, there was definitely a, some, some big elements of people who were basically saying, um, I don't necessarily think you deserve to be in the final three. Um, tell me why my game was better than yours. Um, and, and, you know, and why, why you think you should win when I'm clearly the better player, you know, but um, even that was kind of a, uh, even even that was kind of dampened somewhat. I think, I think the, I think the 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 jury clearly knew for the most part. I think where they were going to vote, and and they were looking 
for any reason to vote the way they didn't think they were going to vote when they first went in. And I don't think anybody really provided that. Yeah, I think so what stood out to, I think, a lot of us was the structure or organization or the lack thereof from the jury. I mean, it was just all over the place with questions and unprepared. And at one point you have jury members going back and forth with each other. I think we had Renicki and Glorf talking about vampires. And it's like, didn't you have two weeks on Ponderosa to talk about all of this and figure out how to do the actual questions? I will, uh, that did stand out, um, certainly among, among the viewers lounge. Um, and, uh, and it was, and it was like, uh, the Mojo Desert jury came in with a uh, very clear um, opening statement before they ever asked the question. And, and, and I believe uh, it was Lurker who presented that question. Um, and we can have and will forever probably, uh, you know, have debate over, you know, whether the, the Mojo Desert, uh, you know, jury made the right decision in the end, but it, they were definitely more organized in how they were presenting their questions. They weren't stepping on each other they were actually letting um, the final, you know, the, the finalists uh, give their answer before dumping another question on them. And, uh, and it was clearly at, at points like the, these final three shitters bun and, and Barker were, were, were having to no doubt having to scroll up a whole lot just to find questions that they had missed because people just kept dumping questions on them. It was a, uh, um, there was a lot of, it felt like to some extent there was a lot of showboating from certain jurors um, on this jury, which isn't, that's not the time to showboat. Your, 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 your time to perform is done. Now you're, 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 you're looking to get answers and, you know, and, and, and be respectful to the final three. And, and, and some of that was lacking. Well, Sue Hawk might disagree with you on that. <laughs> what was that? Sue Hawk might disagree with you on that. This is true. Sue Hawk. And I think, uh, it's, it's, it's funny that a lot of the, it really is funny that a lot of the stuff that we still see, um, in survivor, um, just in general over the years was, was born of stuff that we saw in season one with the, the whole, the whole importance of alliances, um, you know, and, 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 and Sue and her blistering uh, speech to Kelly in, uh, at FTC. Um, a lot of, a lot, and, and I get it. There's, this is your last chance to have any kind of real impact in the game, to make a statement in the game, to, to kind of, uh, buoy yourself up and make you feel better about not winning and so uh a lot of people take that chance to, to put on a show at final uh, even if they are just in the jury it's funny uh, yeah i think well, the other, what really stood out was just how the questions just kept coming no one was waiting for answers yeah. maybe like four questions in a row directed at the same person and then someone would say why did you never answer my question well it's because you posted it at the same time as everyone else. Um, and tips for any future Alliance players, if you happen to end up on a jury and you're at Final Tribal, wait for someone to answer a question before asking your own. I, uh, I absolutely agree. Um, I mean, it got to a point where Shitters was literally, and I don't know if any, any of the, the jurors noticed this, but uh, or any of the jurors noticed it, but uh, Shitters was literally copying and pasting answers because it was the people were just asking variations of the same question. So he just went up, he copy pasted his answer 
um, and goes, well, I, I said this earlier to this question, but this is my answer to your question because it's it's the same damn thing. So what stood out to you from what everyone said you know, from the final slide? <coughs> When I was watching it, um, you know, clearly just uh, we all thought um, if from going into the into the FTC preview episode, every single one of us thought that Shivers was the clear the clear uh, uh, the clear favorite going in. Um, so I was going in with that mindset and I was looking to see if the jury felt the same way. And Shitter's got a few questions right there at the end, and then things started sw switching over to Barker a little bit in terms of uh, interest, with Bun getting a uh, Bun getting some um, getting some love, but not a lot. Um, and so, yeah, for for a few seconds there, it felt like people were actually um, might be leaning towards Barker, or at least that it might be a bit closer than I thought. Um, and that was really what I was kind of focusing on. And then, you know, I, I didn't feel like anyone gave bad answers though i think there was there was parts where there was some debate in the um amongst the viewers lounge if barker was actually just straight up lying on some of his answers um or giving his version of the truth which wasn't the truth so the, that was one of the things that kind of stood out for me in the middle part was that barker was really trying to build a case for himself but he wasn't using good data or uh, very accurate data to do it i don't know how did you feel about all that I, I kind of feel like he made the case the best he could um, based on the games that had been played uh, where he was. Well, we've talked about a few times sort of how Shitters and tribal councils is very good at giving sort of the politician answer, um, sort of a crowd pleaser. Um, that's not always enough of a thing to do in tribal council when you're trying to impress the jury and take claim moves or take action. Um, but I think it was enough for him, given everything else that had happened. Yeah, I, I agree. He, he was uh, he was consistent. His performance was consistent with previous tribals um, in, in regards to the types of answers he was giving. And more importantly, I think he was very respectful and acknowledged the part that other players had had in getting him to where he was. He had, uh, you know, he, he acknowledged, you know, the Crab and Squirb had both basically, you know, sacrificed their games for him in, in one way, shape or form. And that, you know, he wouldn't be where he was without buns. So, um, you know, that was, that was important. He had to, he had, he couldn't go in there and claim that he played a perfect game because he knew he hadn't. Um, and he even acknowledged his, uh, his mistake with the Glorf vote or, you know, going rogue and voting for um, BBGG over Glorf and that, and that first, uh, uh, post-merge tribal so yeah he he hit a lot of the notes that i think we spoke of that he that we felt he had to hit um to please this jury um and um and and so yeah i mean it was was it a perfect tribal final performance but no but i mean like you said combined with his uh very um very uh precise answers um and very you know as you said political answers uh, it, it it got the job done it was enough to probably just say, okay, I feel good voting for him, which they were going to when they went in. Yeah, and I think another thing we talked about was that he hadn't done everything. He was very good socially, good in challenges. He wasn't the biggest strategic player. He didn't really ever pull together a big vote or pull off 
a big move, so to speak. Um, but the thing is that none of the other two could take any credit for that aspect of the game either. They couldn't fill that weakness of his. And I think that just kind of put him over the edge pretty easily. Absolutely. I think it's been a while now, but Barker, Barker tried to build a case on the moves he wanted to make that he wasn't able to pull off. You know, and, and, you know, and I think he may have said, well, I may not have been able to do it, but at least I tried, um, which uh, do you do you do you win a survivor game based on stuff that you weren't able to do? Probably not. But I mean, like you said, at that point, he was kind of uh, he was doing the best with what he had. So the votes came in, it was there were eight jury members, so it was a seven one zero vote. Um, with seven for Shitters as the winner, and the stray vote was Renicky, who we weren't really sure if he thought he was voting for a winner. I think he figured that out at the end, or if he was trying to eliminate someone, get to a final two. Um, <laughs> he ended up voting for Barker, um, and I think his vote was, I know the Shitters is going to win. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was there any way that that could have gone differently at Final Tribal, or was that always going to be the vote? pretty overwhelmingly i think just going back from ponderosa and everything that they that they had seen in the game i think the narrative plus you know when you consider the narrative that barker had built that no one could beat shitters in the final three um i think that jury went in with a very clear mindset um even i think Cheezus had said something about how he might have been leaning towards Barker heading into final, but then when he got to Ponderosa, he started thinking about it and, and he started leaning more towards shitters, you know, and then um, when you, when you, when you aren't given anything to sway you away from your original thought. Yeah. Nothing. It might've gone five, three, it could have gone a, a, a six, two, but um, I think, I, I, this could have been easily a sweep um, if, if uh, Renicky had not been feeling a bit froggy there. And I think that was re- literally the reason he, he, he threw a vote on Barker is because he just was feeling a bit froggy. Was there anything that Bun could have done to get votes? I think a lot of his problem was that he played such a, like it was with being with shares the whole time, sort of playing under his wing almost. Um, didn't really have anything to point to separating himself. Um, yeah. And to his credit, I think he absolutely knew that and decided that that was the game he wanted to play, even if it was going to cost him the chance of winning. Yeah, he did. He played. Um, he was just, he was loyal to Shitters to a fault. Um, it's it's why um, so much of the uh, viewers' lounge was a, a big fan of his there towards the end, and and for the sports bros. Um, and um, if between those two. Shitters was the one who stood out. It, you know, uh, things go differently in the, in the early game. Um, maybe Bun, maybe Bun wins seven to one, um, but uh, that was not to be. And and like you said, he knew it going in. And um, at the final six, he basically said, you know, okay, this is this is how it is. This is how it's going to be. And um, when he let when he went to rocks, and that was uh, that was pretty much it. I mean, I think at that point he was uh, he could have pulled he could have pulled a random vote from somebody like a harpy or a, 
or or uh, or, or Jesus or who, who knows who, but uh, he was never going to win based on this jury and and the game that everybody had played. There was nothing he could have done. I think Barker had sort of a sour aspect from the old Fosha people that he flipped on, um, especially Glorf and Table, uh, who I think it seemed like a lot of had a lot of negativity toward him uh, at Ponderosa. Yeah, um, Glorf, Glorf Barker hate kind of came out of nowhere. In, in, in my respect, in my in my eyes, I mean, he didn't really. Uh, I mean, Barker didn't even vote for Glorf. That was one of the things that kind of stood out for me was like Barker had said, uh, you know, I was on the right side of every vote. Um, and in the back of my mind, I'm like, no, Renicky was the Renicky was the other Glorf voter um, in addition to the girls. So I, it was kind of funny that uh, that Barker had built this. I voted. I helped get Glorf out vote when he didn't. Yeah, and we might talk about this more a little later. I think that initial flip right at the merge with Crab and Barker leading that charge um, kind of had a bigger impact on their perceptions of the game. And I think we might have anticipated at the time. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, and not having any big plays that were worked out that he can point to, I think kind of tanked him. Um, and for hitters, I mean, I hate to use the term likable because of all the connotations that fall in that, but just the game he played, you know, we see how many times people threw themselves to, help him try going to roster him twice a third split vote um i think just people were happy to have him as the winner and we're gonna enough people were doing whatever it took to make that happen that it was a foregone conclusion absolutely it's um and that right there is 100 percent social that's the that is 100 percent the social aspect of this game um, which I mean, we might touch on this later, which clearly um, stood out um, and was almost a foreign concept to the, to the people who were more org experienced. Um, um, Link, uh, her, her just complete um, unwillingness to understand why people could be making these social decisions is more understandable now that I know that her... Um, her experience with orgs for the most part is a, uh, I believe speeds, you know, and that social aspect doesn't build up in speeds. Um, and Barker's, you know, uh, experience was through Instagram and um, Instagram games. Um, so uh, I get now better why the, the whole social aspect and the social decisions that come into effect, come into effect just didn't really register with them in a way that it does with uh, other people who maybe don't have any kind of org experience. And, I, it, for me, it's refreshing that that social aspect could be could play such a strong part in a season where there was clearly one player who, if anyone was going to win based on a social aspect, it was shitters, and everybody saw that practically from day one, and um, and he still won because of the relationships he had built. Yeah, and I think we see that every season in Alliance, the people who are able to form those strong social connections throughout the game, they're the ones that have the most success, not just at Final Tribal, but throughout the game, getting everything their way. Absolutely. I think that's yeah. always going to be the case, especially with Alliance. Uh, I hope so. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll see as um, as more uh, as more uh, as a 
a more diverse player base, um, even probably more diverse than, than this season, which was, uh, which was pretty, di- I mean, it was pretty split demographically between a, a bunch of different uh, profiles, so to speak. But, uh, uh, but yeah, it's, 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 it's fascinating. And, uh, and, and, and I don't know that I wouldn't say that it's necessarily unique to this org, but it's definitely, uh, it's definitely an aspect of it for sure. Uh, yeah, so that was the final tribal. We had a great winner in setters and pretty dominant games throughout. Um, we were going to have sort of a recap of our some of our favorite biggest moments of this season. Um, you know, do you want to start us off? Uh, one of mine, I mean, hold on. The, uh, for, for start, it doesn't, it doesn't get more iconic than Ryan Plex to get in his way with two tribes going to one tribal to vote one player out at the very first tribal council and 12 people going to rocks and an early season favorite, God rest her soul, Squirb going and pulling that purple rock and just basically tilting the entire season on its head um, from any way, from any direction people might've thought it was going um, for the season to start there. You knew things were going and that's, that's gotta be one of my favorite moments is um, somebody going to rocks at tribal one, um, despite the fact that they didn't want to. And then that, that, that person going home. I mean, I, I don't know how else, how I don't know. I can't imagine a better start to a season than that. Yeah. And the way it happened where seemingly nobody wanted to go to rocks uh, just not quite agreeing to any other solution and that was where everything ended up after hours i think of you know trying to figure out what else could happen and yeah and you know and then tossing the knowledge that the fact that it was shitters that um the other tribe picked to vote on put, put their votes on uh is literally the only reason it went to went to rocks I mean, if they had picked, if they had picked, you know, anybody else, then I think people flip. And um, and again, they just no one wanted to flip for shitters. You give Squirb and Crab any other excuse to change their vote, they would have done it in a heartbeat. And the fact that it was shitters sealed, uh, just the fact that it was shitters sealed Squirb's fate and ultimately sealed Crab's fate for later in the game. Um, anyone else and uh, one of them flips and this entire game is different. So go figure. That's a hell of a way for a season to start. Yeah. Uh, later on, I think Glorf ended up saying um, after the game that he was about a minute away from flipping to Luke on the revote and avoiding rocks altogether and decided against it. Um, I think it really can't be overstated how big an impact that had, especially with Squirb being the one leaving. And mm-hmm. there's obviously no way to know how things would have gone. Uh, but I think Squirb was clearly a power player and would have gone far. Um, you have hitters staying and ultimately using that experience, forming allies and going on to win through that. Um, being down in numbers was part of that. And, and people on that Nero tribe who... <laughs> Some of them, after the swap, didn't really go to tribal council much before the merge. 
uh, kind of went into the merge without that same hard-formed allies was a big factor in a lot Absolutely. of their demise, I think. Yeah, they didn't... Um, I, I think it's important to have that tribal experience um, to, to kind of go through that trial by fire, to, to feel that vulnerability, um, to know that you could go home, um, as opposed to just suddenly ending up at the merge um, and you haven't had to strategize. You haven't really had to work too hard to stay in the game. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's not a surprise that the, uh, that the OG Reds were, uh, were kind of unprepared when they hit, uh, when they hit, um, when they hit the merged tribes. Yeah. Um, a lot of fun moments throughout the season. One thing that I wanted to go into was the merge, uh, basically those couple days, um, through basically the story being where Glorf didn't have the allies that he thought he did um, and ended up basically on the wrong side of an 8-4 split. Uh, even had going in at a, a numbers advantage. And I think that played a big part in kind of letting a few people take control of the post-merge game, having that impact. Um, and ultimately that vote itself where you had Glorf bluff the idle play, forcing the switch in the vote, sending BBGG home, Glorf sticking around for a couple more tribals with that idle. Yeah, it was, um, it was interesting because you had them, you had the, you had the, the merge tribe, you had Greendale. Um, they were almost immediately thrown into a, a challenge that required a lot of attention um, and didn't really allow for a whole lot of, um, opportunity to start building alliances and start talking to people and to uh, kind of test relationships with people who with whom you may not have had any kind of opportunity to converse with previously um, because everybody was so focused on the the magic mastery challenge and um, and so yeah I mean I think by the time that's all over no one's got no one's got no one wins individual immunity and, and you're right you're sitting there everybody's vulnerable um, except for Glorf, who had the, the idol in his pocket. Um, and, uh, and yeah, the fact that the fact that Glorf was as shocked as he was that BBG, BBGG was the one who went home tells you how unprepared Glorf was for that aspect of the game. Um, I just don't think he, he realized that, that once you hit the merge like that, everything was different. Um, and um, it, uh, yeah, it, it, it sunk him. Losing BBGG uh, just kind of sent him in a tailspin. And though he was able to, you know, last another week after that or another round after that, um, he never recovered. Yeah, I think the fact that Glorf, the only tribal councils he went to pre-merge were that first one with ending up drawing rocks and then the one where Greg was voted out. Um, after an initial ploy to potentially blindside him, uh, Adal ended up going easily to Greg. So he hadn't had quite that challenge in pulling together alliances like that. Uh, that was part of it. And I think his presence just set such a big tone in having this big group that was willing to ace mostly and partly sitters and crab kind of dictate where things were going to go for a while. And I think Shitter's changing his vote, keeping Glorf around, um, 
kept that going for long enough that it, it sort of kept their momentum in a way. And that might have been interesting to play out differently where people start to turn on each other a little faster. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there is a, there's definitely an advantage to keeping a bigger target around um, as long as you possibly can um, without losing your numbers to kind of pick off any allies they have, because as long as that big, as long as there's someone who is as polarizing as Glorf in the game, the target stays off of you. And then, and like you said, you know, and, and look what happens. The second Glorf is gone, there's a power vacuum. Someone tries to fill that vacuum and the person who rushed to fill that vacuum was the next person voted out. Yeah. And that is so just skipping ahead a few tribals. Um, we go with nine left in the game after Glorf was eliminated um, in 10th to a surprise tribal council where you have a you know, merged tribe with no one immune and no and, uh, no strategizing really beforehand. Um, you have the surprise vote and the split is 4-2-2-1 two, two, and the votes almost barely but also kind of clearly go against Ace. Um, and if you ask him, he'd say that if he had that time to work everyone and pick a target, that it would have, and we'll never know. But it's kind of hard to say, given that he didn't catch wind of the plan that was forming against him before. Um, and just kind of think when you have that much power that early in the game, it's really tough to walk that line any longer. Absolutely. Um, I mean, first off, I want to I, I apologize because I think – I earlier uh, implied that Barker didn't vote for Glorf, and I think he did. Um, what I was thinking of was this vote, where Barker was kind of on the outside of the ace vote, because the, the ace vote was the girls and Renicky, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah, that okay. was the force, but... This is, what I, this is where I was, uh, I was thinking Barker was kind of out on the loop. Um, but yeah, the fact that uh, there hadn't been a lot of communication, I guess, between Renicky and, um, and the girls in that respect. Um, the girls had clearly been talking about Ace, and they were the only ones who kind of had a really um, set plan, um, uh, just in, in respect to that. And then when, and this is where Harpy kind of comes into play, because Harpy was never shy about saying who she was going to vote for at Tribal. When Harpy just says out loud during this Tribal, I'm voting for Ace, um, that gave Crab and Link, uh, I think, though I don't know if they, they downplayed it or ever really acknowledged it, but that was kind of the, um, that was like the, the all clear for them to kind of, they knew they had one, put their two on top and hope that the, there's such a lack of communication between the rest of them that maybe their three gets the job done. And I think it would have because, um, and I'm thinking hope hope that the other guys are so kind of, all over the place for lack of planning uh, that maybe their three get the job done. I don't know that Crab, Harp, or Link ever fully expected anyone else to vote for Ace. I think they hoped that their three would get the job done. The fact that Renicky did um, was just icing on the cake, really. Yeah, I mean, they. it's tough to go into that thinking you have three against a nine and, and see anything if that works out. Um, and there were five others. There were still five other votes. I would have been curious if it went three-three and a revote, where everyone would have gone on that. Um, 
in a, I mean, in a scenario where Ace gets some votes, scrapes by, and now knows what position he's really in, that changes the game a lot if he was able to survive that also. Yeah. Um, he... Uh... That was uh, that was a risky. It was it would have been easier for them to just kind of kind of go with uh, with the pecking order that had been established by Ace supposedly, um, and 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 I'll give it I'll give them all props for uh, for 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 taking the gamble because uh, if uh, if it doesn't work, they are insanely vulnerable because Ace would have had enough numbers to pick them off one by one if um, once he's able to uh, accurately identify who put their votes on him. Um, so yeah, huge gamble that paid off. Um, and, but indirectly again, only helps shitters game, even though shitters on the wrong side of the vote. It's, uh, it's another power. It's another play. It's a power player out of the game who would have eventually targeted him. And I think once ACE is out of the game, the only true person between, um, between shitters and the finish line is crab and, and then barker kind of entered the picture a little bit later in, in respect to that but uh yeah it's, it's just another uh, another hurdle for shitters gone again without shitters actually having to vote that person out yeah and another aspect i think with ace being so strong at challenges after this you basically had bun and shitters being it, it seemed like every challenge for the rest of the game was those two fighting it yeah. out yeah, his uh, ace ace going again created that power vacuum, and and in, but this time nobody really rushed to fill that power vacuum. It was just just kind of just kind of uh, people were just kind of floating and and, and doing their thing, and um, no one really took charge at that point. Man, so where we really hit more the end game was at that final six vote um, where you have Crab coming in, it seems like with everyone, seemingly everyone willing to be on her side. And this side she picks is to stay with Shitters and Bun and they go for a second time this season to Rocks. And that really set the tone for the end of the game. I think at that point, it was pretty close to over. Yeah, it was, um, and again, uh, you, you, like you said, you can't overstate um, and the the social impact of Shitter's game. He had built such a strong relationship with Crab um, just through being genuine and, and talking to each other that the thought of betraying him really kind of turned her off. Whereas before, the way she was talking, she was all gung-ho about it and uh, towards the end there she's just like I don't know that I can do it I would rather take my chances with him in final five than Barker um, she claims that she would have tried to take shitters out in final five um, maybe she would have maybe she didn't um, and she says that there was a huge strategic element to her decision to go to rocks and I believe that um, so yeah crab wanting to go to rocks even more certainly than at that point bun um, and she kind of made Bun's decision for him when she said, I'm not changing my vote. Um, yeah, it was a, a huge moment. And, and you know, and, and despite what Lincoln and Barker were saying, um, probably uh, 
really the only thing she could have done to ensure that she might actually have a shot at winning because she had to get rid of one of those two guys, you know, and, and it was, just wasn't happening. So she had to keep shitters over Barker because Barker was going to be gunning for her the next, uh, the next tribal anyway, whereas shitters would not. Yeah, it was definitely a tricky situation. She was trying to navigate Link would go on to say that she really thought that final three agreement was going to hold between them. Um, and, you know, you never know. I think Barker, when he laid out his plans, was going to eventually try to target her. And I think Link would probably have been on board as someone trying to win and take out the potential threat from that. Yeah. And we'll never know. No, but it made for an exciting, uh, it made for an exciting final six. Uh, second time we went to rocks, the second time a, a, a pretty big contender uh, went out and, um, and one of those, uh, one of those moments that's going to be iconic moving forward, just because of the, of the way it went down, the, the conversation that was had, the, the heated moments, um, there was a lot of discussion between, uh, Barker Link, uh, Bread and Crab, and, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. Yeah, and that led to, uh, at the final four, another survivor alliance burst, the first fire-making challenge, where Bun, once again, deciding that he is going to take his chances with Shitters and potentially cost himself a winnable final three and let his sports bros, Buddy, get his shot at the fire-making challenge, which was also a thrill to watch. Absolutely. I think... I think at that point, you know, with the decision that he made at final six, uh, as you kind of alluded to, Bun had kind of had uh, had set his uh, fate in stone and knew he wasn't going to win. And then at that point, he was like, do I, if I get to the final three with Barker, Barker probably beats me. But if I get to the final three with Barker and Shitters, Shitters probably wins. So at that point, it becomes a question of who would I rather lose to? Would I rather lose to this kid? or uh, rather lose to my sports bro and my friend who I've been riding with this whole time. Um, easy decision in my mind. If, uh, if you really don't think you're going to win, you want to, you want to help, you want to give your friend the opportunity to get there and shitters more than earned it with, uh, with his performance in that uh, fire making challenge. Yeah. And that was something we didn't, we haven't really talked about on the podcast. I think that was a pretty impressive moment for shitters. Um, I think we saw Jesus do well better than expected. The final score being 10 to zero after 28 questions. And I'm just looking now, the last five questions, it was five to zero after 23. And I think Jesus kind of hit the wall there. Yeah. But he looked strong in that first part too. And I think better than we expected. He's clearly paying attention more than he was letting on. Oh, absolutely agree. He, uh, <clears throat> he, he made it interesting. He made it to where, uh, we were sitting there wondering if um, just how many questions this would go to. Like, would 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 uh, would would shitters need a need a hundred questions just to 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 make up the difference between you know to to get the ten that he needed to to win, you know? And um, and yeah, I think Jesus kind of saw the writing on the wall about six zero and kind of a uh, and kind of um, kind of folded a little bit and started kind of giving some flippant answers to his questions that he or you know that he just didn't know the answer to. Um, and shitters, we saw the um, we saw the benefit of all his command hunting um, and his social game, 
And uh, as we found out, he'd been keeping uh, copious notes. Um, so good on him. Another, another, uh, you know, another heads up to anybody who's thinking of playing Alliance in the future. Um, if, if you don't have a spreadsheet, uh, you're probably doing it wrong. <laughs> if supporters had gotten taken out, if that tribal goes differently, the that final three, it's a weird final three, but that would have been a really interesting final three between Bun, Jesus, and Barker. There's probably a case for any of them. I kind of feel like Bun maybe is a, a, in that You think? I think, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's as clear cut. I don't think it's nearly unanimous. Um, I think Barker probably has probably three votes on lock if you if you consider um, Link and uh, well, maybe two votes on lock between Link and Crab. Um, but I think a shitter a shitter vacuum from that uh, final three would have given Jesus and Bun a lot more motivation in really fighting for it. And, uh, you know, Barker, yeah, Barker, did, it's not a runaway if Barker wins in that, in that, in that final three. No, absolutely not. No, I, and I still think you have shares telling everyone to vote Bun and you have a lot of people who will listen and you have a few people who are looking for reasons not to vote for Barker. Um, it might have been a bit more of a bitterness scenario in that. Um, I think Bun is definitely in that, and I'm almost, and we'll never know, but we might have to poll jury members on who they vote for in that. In that final three, yeah, that's a good question. I like that. I like that. Uh, yeah, so looking at with the season as a whole, a few things you want to touch on. Um, starting with one of your favorite things uh, in the viewer superlatives, the difference between the person who deserves a second chance and the person who you most want to see again. Um, I want to add another wrinkle to that for a person who, if they had a chance to play again, would be the most, would play the most different game. Um, so do you want to explain your difference and who you think fills those categories? Okay. Um, for me, uh the person you most want to watch play again is a person who you just enjoyed watching um, for whatever reason, for the drama they created, for their confessionals, for the, um, just for the way they, just for their whole game. Um, I chose Glorf on that because I enjoyed watching him play. I, I, I enjoyed how he played. I enjoyed his confessionals. I enjoyed every aspect of his little elf character, though he says that if he were to do it again, he wouldn't be the elf this time. But I, for the most part, I enjoyed him because he was an irritant. Whether he meant to be or not, he caused drama in the game. Um, people were making decisions for their game based entirely on his presence. And though I don't necessarily think he would do any better this time, I would still enjoy seeing him back in the game doing his thing. So that's who I would most want to watch play again. How about yourself? Yeah. Um, I, I think Glorp is some, one of the ones I was thinking about just because I think we saw him as he was under pressure after a while. Towards the end, he was starting to figure out the strategies and we saw him making good moves to try to stay alive. I think if he was given a second chance, he would be a good, he would start to learn some of those things 
um, I think the person, I think someone that I definitely enjoyed watching um, is Ace. Uh, that's a buddy of mine, but I think, you know, he played into that villain role well. Um, I think knowing him better, you could see how much of that was sarcasm in his confessionals and some of the ways he talked in DMs. Um, he played that role well. I'm curious if he would play it similarly again or try to take some steps back and do some things differently, but it was definitely enjoyable to watch. I think once he was out, you saw a lot of things start to change in the way the game was being played. Yeah, definitely. He was, uh, it, it went from a very strategic, the game went from a very strategic game. That's when the game shifted from strategic to the, strate- the strategic side of things, dominating things to the social side. Um, if he'd stayed in longer, we would have seen a lot of different choices coming from, um, from players probably. So there's also the player who most deserves a second chance. And I think this is one that there's really only one answer to. Squirb. In my opinion, it's got to be Squirb. Um, the, the preseason, uh, a few people had her uh, number one, myself included, on their uh, boot lists. Uh, she was a nearly unanimous top three, top five at least uh, pick for a lot of people who filled out boot lists um, because – uh, she she would have been. So who do you have for the person you think would be the most different in a second chance? I don't know that I would have said this um, before Final Tribal or even immediately after Final Tribal, but just kind of going back and reading through Ponderosa and uh, I would think that um, Sir Table would be a very interesting person to see have a second chance because of this internal debate that they'd had through most of the game as to whether to play a good guy, play a bad guy. Um, and I think, I think they regretted um, the fact that they didn't make that move or make that, that flip uh, sooner. Um, and I think uh, going in that table would be just in full villain mode from day one. And it would be interesting to see someone like him, going in on a second chance, just determined to not, you know, basically uh, be blindsided or just the victim of a being on the a minority alliance. Yeah, there's a few that definitely would be interesting. Um, BBGG is one that I think, if given the chance to play again, would be an interesting person. Never really had that chance post-merge to kind of sh- play that strategic side. Um, Trophy is another one who didn't really get a chance and I think would have been a really strong player um, if things had not gone a little differently in the pre-merge. Um, but I think one that kind of was really interesting at the end was Jesus. Um, we saw some of his strengths at that fire-making challenge. Uh, kind of started to pick things up at the end and it seems now that this is over, is getting himself sucked into this world of online games and orgs and... I think it's starting to learn some of the things that he didn't quite get the first time around. And it would be a really interesting play to see him again because he definitely had some strength in the game. I agree. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and there was a, there was a perception of him from, from many of the players uh, all season that uh, the viewers lounge didn't necessarily get, but you know, um, in, in cases like this perception is often reality and uh, it would be interesting to see him uh, uh, actually uh, create a reality of that perception. So yeah, I could, I, I would, I would enjoy seeing Jesus play again. Definitely. 
this will also talk a little bit about uh, some of the challenges. Um, there's the favorite challenge question, and I'm going to draw my own distinction. Um, so I'm going to ask favorite challenge that your favorite challenge to watch in terms of the drama it created and what it was like from a viewer's perspective, and then your favorite challenge that you wish you could have played in. My favorite challenge to watch was probably hands down a dragon slaying, um, just because of the. Uh, of the uh, the fact that it ended up being the sports bros and they were going back and forth and it went, and it, it just went on for so long and you know they uh, you know and there was some you know and, and that was a uh, that was a, a challenge that uh, shitters really needed to win um, and uh, the fact that he did uh, you know guaranteed him a trip to the final four um, and um, guaranteed Bun a trip to the final four and so um, yeah that was fun that was. Uh, that was definitely exciting. As a viewer, that was probably my favorite challenge to watch. I think mine to watch, um, that one was fun. The The tower was really fun, uh, trying to solve the puzzles alongside them, and then the second time trying to match up the time, see who's winning. Um, I think one of my favorites to watch was the joust, just um, because yeah. you could start to figure out some of the strategies and try to play along, see what they were going to do, and it had that same sports bros finish that it was clearly going to, those were the two strongest players and made it to their challenge. Yeah, that was, uh, if you, uh, <clears throat> the joust would, would be a close second for me, honestly. It was, uh, it was also fun. Just for, and, and for the same reasons, the sports bros and it was competitive and um, it was, it was, uh, was kind of, it was definitely a, a treat. So your favorite challenge at, you want wish you would have gotten to play i would have liked to play the tower just because of the the various levels the different puzzles um looking back at the puzzles there was you know they were they were doable they weren't too hard um but they were clever enough to you know where you actually had to kind of think about them and just the the race aspect and the meeting the the, the getting to meet somebody in the middle um so i think uh, of all the challenges i got to see i would have enjoyed playing the tower the most yeah, I think for me, the tower, um, the dungeon with the dragon was a really fun one. And it was tough to watch because of the way everything was set up. Um, and this past week, we've gotten to try the haunted house again and see what that was like. And something that is that in-depth, it just looks super fun to watch and have that opportunity at. Yeah, I can, uh, having, uh, having tested that um, the night before at Ryan's request, I can definitely, uh, I can definitely uh, tell you that the the dungeon is fun. It's fun to run, and at some point, I believe that Mr. Plexity is going to make that available to um, people in the uh, HQ server to uh, to give a run. So, uh, if you're in the HQ server, I highly recommend that once that uh, opens up for uh, for players or for viewers to to run through, that you do it because uh, there's it's it's involved. There's a lot of fun mini puzzles in there. Um, and uh, it's, it's worth your time. It's a, it's a lot of entertainment. So just kind of looking at the season as a whole, um, there's a lot of first this season with tribes going to rocks and fire making challenges. What, what is this season? How do you compare it to other seasons of Alliance? I think, I mean, it's, it's, it's its own beast. Um, it was, it was the, the first season where, majority of players weren't um 
players that we were already familiar with in, in terms of um, being from FML. And uh, we saw, you know, different, you know, very, very uh, disparate group of people. And, um, and for me, it was interesting to see again, how, how much, uh, despite all of that, um, that the, um, you know, we had our fourth winner from FML in a season where only four players going into the, out of 18 were from FML. And, but I think Shitters won, not because he was from FML, obviously, but, but even in, in spite of it. Um, so uh, I think the FML thing is now in the past in terms of, of Alliance. And, uh, and now it's all going, it's all about, it's going to be about the players and it's not going to be about pre-existing alliances or being familiar with people, uh, you know, and necessarily even wanting to play with those people. It's going to be about um, who you are and, and who you present yourself to be in that game. And I think we've seen that shift with this season. Um, and so that's, that's for me is, is what stands out the most about this season. Um, and, um, and it's going to be interesting to see as uh, the demo further expands to uh, other players from other orgs or just from other wish listers who, who get, uh, who get sucked in by harpy or, or trophy and um, the occasional FMLer. Um, so I think this is a, this is a, this is a shift season. Um, and um, it's going to be curious to see how it goes into uh, goes into uh, leads into summit. Um, I think this season stands alone um, from the other, from the previous three seasons, it's hard to compare it to those because the, everything was so different in, in so many respects. Yeah, that was something that really stood out to me. I think each season has seen it progress in a major way. Um, in this season, you have the first, this is basically the first time that alliances set fully separated from FML, or not fully separated, but it's its own entity. It stands outside of the FML world basically as its own thing between having a season that's made up mostly of not people from fml um and the between vip and different revenue streams basically having this as something that can be almost sustainable hopefully if you can keep finding casts that can fill that out and hopefully that will be the case absolutely um, i'm excited for the future and I think, um, you know, if, assuming that, you know, that the, the game thrives and survives, you know, and, you know, you know, two, three years from now, I think, um, I think this season will be, um, will be the, uh, will be where whatever alliance is, you know, two years from now will be born of stuff that happened in this season. Yeah, so, I mean, another thing, in the last two seasons of Alliance, you've had three rock draws, which is as many as have happened in the 40-season history of Survivor. Is that just randomness? Is that a trend that could continue? I don't know. Um, again, I think it's going to come down to uh, the players and the relationships that are built um, and whether, um, you know, our, our, our hosts and our, our production team um, engineers things to create this kind of that, that kind of drama and you know and people were highly you know some people some players were highly critical of the fact that you had 
that you know the this first tribal was set up to where you could have two tribes of six going into going into uh, the first tribal and almost forcing a situation where people had to go to rocks but you know production recognized that and uh, had actually engineered a, a tool that one tribe could have could have used to keep from going to rocks um will people go back will future players go back and read this season and 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 realize that uh two players went uh went home on rocks um maybe there will be players who viewed this season who were aware that there were two rock draws this season and um and going into theirs will be saying hey i saw two of the better players in the game go home on rocks um when they didn't you know when they weren't even the targets um and i don't want that to happen to me um it's so it's it's going to be based on the player base it's going to be based on the relationships that are going to be that are going to be built it's going to be based on when in the season it happens what the what the what the tribe demo is at that point um um will will there be future rock draws hard to say but i, I wouldn't rule it out yeah i think that depends will depend a lot on the sorts of twists that production throws in uh whether you have two tribes of even numbers going to the state tribal council together or if you have swaps into tribes of four it's basically situations that will lead to rocks that i think the show on cbs generally avoids more often um ryan seem, might seem to have more of a propensity for things like that it's sort of a bit of overly passive play on the part of a lot of players as some of a theme this season um i think we saw that pop up a couple of times also and kind of led to a few of the moments this season yeah i don't i don't think that um our production team you know and host ryan plexty likes to send home anybody on rocks I, I what i think he likes to do is put people in the situation where they're going to have to make a decision like you said um to flip or to to pick a side um and and then to see what social um drama builds up out of that decision um and and if you have passive players like you were saying then um then I guess rocks is the inevitable conclusion. Um, and then, uh, and then it's, but regrettably, it's not the passive players that are going home. It's the, it's the power players. And then that's, that's always the danger with rocks. Uh, yes. Any other major takeaways you have from this season as a whole? Um, no, I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know that there were, you know, any, the, the big narrative that built this whole season was uh, was based off of a, a social uh, and, and I'll, I'll keep it in this was because that's the I think that's the kind of player I, that's as a viewer. That's what I like to see. Um, I like to see the social drama. I like to see the social relationships that are built. And it was refreshing, again, to see that that social aspect still played such a huge, huge, had such a huge impact in this game. Um, and there's no guarantee that, you know, we'll see that in future seasons. But I think just the way that this org is constructed with the way challenges are done, um, with the off time that you have, um, where, you, you know, you're not necessarily sitting in a tribal council setting for 24 hours. Um, it's just, it allows for that kind of stuff to happen. And, uh, and, and I'm excited to see if it still keeps happening. And, and at the very least, happy that it played such a huge impact in this season. 
right. Um, so the one other big thing we have is talking about Summit. The upcoming season will be starting January. Um, I don't know how much we can really preview. <laughs> All we probably know is that it will be cold and seemingly mountainous. I don't know how much they off, how much else there is to get into. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's fun. Um, Ryan Plexty and, and, and survivors of the last survivor fans of the last twenty years have never really gotten to see a uh, inclement uh, weather season of uh, of Survivor because um, they'll, they'll never have real life Survivor in a in a snowy region because the the women can't be in bikinis. Um, it's it's one of the reasons I think that they wouldn't do it, and I, I'd love to see it. It would be an interesting season to watch Survivor Antarctica. Yeah, I mean, why not? Um, if they really want to shake things up, I don't know how they would survive on food. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be an interesting little uh, little wrinkle. Um, so it's gonna get, it's gonna be fun to get to see Ryan play uh, Ryan and the production team play with this uh, this cold weather element. Um, I'm sure that they're building a mythology um, just based on the region. Um, you know, they're gonna create a history. That's what they did for Mojo Desert. They're, they did it for the Dark Forest. They're gonna clearly, you know, they're gonna do it for the summit. I think our production team has as much fun with creating a, a history for for where they are <clears throat> that plays into elements of the game as they do running the game. I will say, because um, uh, I'm sure some of production will hear this podcast, I will be very, very disappointed um, if there's not an abominable snowman at some point. That's all. That's, I was about to say, I think we can expect the abominable snowman. I will be very, point. I will be very disappointed if there is no abominable snowman. But other than that, my expectations are high, and I trust this team enough to uh, to create a, a challenging and enjoyable experience for the uh, for the players as well as for the viewers. I think the big question for me going forward and to summit in future seasons is whether how production is able to find casts similar to the other seasons we've seen people who would be willing to play this kind of thing would be interesting and active and who are social basically outside of the normal org demographic that seems to skew much younger and heavily male um, yeah they pulled it off pretty well this season past seasons of alliance and i wonder how deep that pool is for the future Casting is king in situations like this. And uh, I mean, th there was, there was times this season where the viewers felt that the, there was um, almost a dangerous amount of inactive players. Um, and for the most part that got weeded out as the, as the game progressed. And, um, and I would imagine that the, that that would happen in future seasons. So all we can hope for is that the people who, who sign up to play um, are committed to, to spending as much time as they can reasonably spend um, in the confines of the game, um, you know, playing the game, interacting with other players and, um, you know, hope for the best. I mean, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure production feels the same way as they're, as they're casting. I mean, I don't think Ryan is just going to pick the first 18 people who ask to play. Um, I think there will be some vetting and, um, you know, they've, they've done good so far. So hope we, we can only hope they keep it up. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that covers about um, all of that. One other big, one other thing to mention: uh, Speed Alliance next weekend. Uh, I sent in my application. Hirsch, you have your application. 
my application has been submitted uh, against my better against my better judgment. I'm willing to spend four hours, or actually, uh, I'm willing to spend X amount of time to to almost certainly be eliminated early. I'm uh, I'm counting on it. <laughs> so, if you want your chance to show us that we don't know what we're talking about, or have a chance to take us down, or any other past or possibly future Alliance players. Uh, this could be a lot of fun posting by Banjo Sudwater, Tom Hardy, I think is his name here, and Muse. Uh, they're definitely going to put in a great job with that, and should be a fun evening. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm I, they. They won't. They. I, I doubt they'll disappoint. They're. They're. They're working on it. Bane is. Bane is a fun game runner. Um, Muse uh, has a lot of speed experience, so this should be. Uh, this should be interesting. And yeah, and that's just about all that we have. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to mention, um, we'll be back next season and we'll be in the VIP lounge um, throughout the season exclusively to VIP. And I think it, that's been one of the big things is how nice that experience has been, getting to play out some challenges, see some exclusive things behind the scenes, get that voice channel with the peanut gallery during key Absolutely. events. Uh, highly recommend that. Absolutely. Refer to information in the HQ server. Um, if you haven't already, uh, that will, uh, you know, if, uh, if, if you get that mega crab status, get that dig tier status, get that VIP status, um, and, uh, and, and support, support production, um, in whatever way you can. Um, I will say this, I uh, just wanted to throw this in, uh, as a little extra thing. And I, and I, and I know, um, I don't want to speak for Ari, but I'm sure he echoes this sentiment, um, in that, you know, we often, a lot of praise is thrown Ryan Plexi's way as, as well it should be because he is the forward facing member of this production team. Um, so I want to, I want to make sure you know, I always all praise due to, to Ryan Plexi, but also to the production team, just in general, um, to, to GD and, uh, and Meg, Clevs, um, Jeff, uh, they all put in time to make the game good for the players, to make the, to, to, to make it a great viewing experience for, the viewers lounge and um and I, I don't ever want those guys to feel slighted in any way shape or form because we appreciate all the effort all of them make in uh, in making this uh making this game uh, so enjoyable and for giving me and ari even a an avenue or a venue to uh to spew our uh, our drivel yeah i definitely echo that um i mean i don't think that this seasons would be possible without any of them uh, all putting in their best effort and they're always a joy to have. We'd see all of them around, obviously uh, Alliance and all other servers and always great at interacting with all of them. Um, you can see the work that they put in with this. Absolutely. Um, um, oh, and Ari, one more, if, if I might, um, I want to, and, and I know Ari feels the same way. I don't even have to ask. I want to give a special shout out to our very good friend, FML cat. Um, without whom this podcast would not exist, probably. Um, we, uh, I'm, I'm glad Miss, uh, I'm glad Miss Cat gets uh, gets as much pleasure out of this as she does. And I'm not sure we would have done it without her uh, pushing us along the way. So Miss Cat, when you hear this, um, you know we'll dedicate this past season to you. And uh, we you know thanks for uh, thanks for being our biggest fan. Yeah, definitely a great for, for pushing us and everyone who listened or chimed in. Um, we had so many great guests throughout this season. 
Uh, the, this would absolutely not be the same without anyone who's listened for the last hour, just hearing the two of us, definitely not the same. Absolutely. Um, so many great guests and we look forward to, uh, to hopefully having guests next season as well. Um, if, uh, if, uh, if you think you got something to contribute or, uh, you know, you, you, you want to, you want to get on the show at some point, just uh, hit up Ari, let him know. He's a, he's the, he's the showrunner, so to speak. And he'll, uh, he'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if we can get you in. Definitely. Yeah. Um, we'll be back hope for summit. Um, assuming everything stays the same. Uh, maybe you'll hear from us intermittently in the meantime. Uh, we'll definitely be around Alliance or whatever FML adjacent servers there are. Um, am I missing anything? I don't think so. Other than for me to tell you, it was been, uh, it's been a fun season already. I didn't know how well this would work out when we started, but I think it's worked out pretty well and I've enjoyed every, every minute of, uh, of doing this with you, buddy. Yeah, thanks so much for joining and everyone for listening. Um, it's been a great season and we'll definitely be back. Thanks so much. Everybody take care. We'll see you at Summit. We will hopefully be back soon and we'll see you then. Take care. Bye.